The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, man, what a beauty Sunday in May this is. A good time for you to tune in and get some knowledge and hang out with us if you're uh, doing some uh, social distancing on your own, sitting in the back garden, maybe uh, doing some housework, sitting, having a cool drink, and got us on here on the radio. Keep us on for the entire hour. It's going to be a large one as we get into the Disability Law Show. Reaching out, uh, phone lines already open. 416-870-6400 is a good way, or one triple eight two two five talk That is absolutely toll-free. We'll get to some your emails as well if you want to send one along that is help at disabilityrights.ca if you simply go to disabilityrights.ca the uh, the website you'll be able to catch past radio shows and links to our television show as well lots of good stuff to be uh, to be seen there and for the next little while covidrights.ca is a very very active website so if you're having issues with your disability insure and uh, as well today you're going to get an inside look this is awesome he, he he pops up once in a while but we hooked him in for another Sunday he's probably going man I, I thought it was going to be rainy and crappy today and it's not it's sunny but we got him sticking around anyway terry corcoran who spent decades i'm talking decades in the insurance industry will pull back the curtain today on how things work on that side this is extremely interesting so you'll want to stick around for it we'll get to terry here in uh, in just a bit but savannah a, uh, an action-packed show as they say today brother but uh, you want to start uh, uh, with some things that have been happening throughout the week how are you pal I'm great, John, and it's you're right. It's a beautiful day outside. Mm-hmm. You can almost forget uh, as you look outside that, that you know there's nothing happening. There's no pandemic, but unfortunately, that's yeah. the reality right now. Uh, but you know, people are settling in, and they're finding ways of adapting. Uh, y- y- you know, uh, there's an article that I came across recently, or at least uh, not an article, but something that uh, was on the news about anxiety and depression. And again, we talk about this every show, and of course, people are hearing about it, but they're also experiencing it. And, and, you know, the, the, the title of, of that news segment was Anxiety and Depression Have Spiked Among Canadians. And, and that's according to a survey. And, of course, we're finding more and more that people are having a really difficult time, not just with the actual illness of COVID, but just reacting to it and, you know, social distancing and isolation, etc. I mean, I'm talking with my family members, my friends, colleagues, co-workers, and it's taking a toll. And that is relevant when we talk about long-term disability because many people who are already on the verge uh, or the cusp of, uh, you know, grappling with these kinds of issues and were trying to survive and, and balance their lives, their work, and, and, you know, their kids, their families are finding themselves thrust into this, abi- you know, the, the abyss, the, the, mm-hmm. the abyss of, of mental illness. And that's relevant for long-term disability because many people do have access to short-term and long-term disability plans through work or sometimes privately when you purchase those. And it's important to understand that if you're unable to work because of a mental health illness, whether it's depression, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, I think that's going to you know, be a big thing, unfortunately, you know, in the coming months and years as a result of all of this uh, situation that we're dealing with globally, uh, not just here in Canada. People need to understand that if they're disabled, if their doctors are saying that they're disabled and they need time off work and they have access to short-term and or long-term disability, they should be applying. Conversely, I do think, I'm forecasting, I hope I'm wrong, but I do think you're going to see insurance companies deny these kinds of claims. 
But this is why we're doing this show. This is why James does a show as well. This is why we have the TV show, John. We want to educate and empower people. And you're right. You're absolutely right. We have Terry here. He's going to be with us uh, for the full hour. We're going to draw on his wisdom, on his experience, because he was on the other side for decades, you know, and he was uh, high up there. He understands how long-term disability operates. He understands how insurance companies operate. So for anyone out there who is struggling with their insurance company, if they have a long-term disability claim or if they've been denied long-term disability, we can give you the information you need to understand what your rights are and certainly to understand and and realize that you have a lot more power vis-a-vis your insurance company than you think you do. And that's important, John. Now, let me let me start off uh, the, the show with um, a question that was posted to our free website, which has been used thousands of times across the country, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a website we put up together, uh, again, uh, years ago. And uh, people uh, go on it, and uh, they, they type in their question, and I answer those questions for free. And it's accurate information, and it's very quick. So this, this um, question comes from Shirley. She's in uh, uh, British Columbia, and here's what she wrote. Uh, she wrote, what are my options if my employer and my long-term disability insurance company have come up with a gradual return-to-work plan that did not make any attempt to accommodate my doctor's recommendations? Literally, the, they have no real plan except that I should come up with my own plan. <laughs> uh, and she's asking, should I try it out? Should I try and go back to work despite that? Uh, or or sh- should I should I not? Should I refuse? And, you know, what should I do? And, and, you know, this issue, this employment slash disability issue comes up over and over and over. And I'm actually going to be penning an article uh, uh, for, for global, for global news that deals with the interplay between employment law and long-term disability law because people do find themselves not only grappling with dealing with their insurance company but work-related issues. So to answer Shirley's uh, uh, question here, look, you need to follow your doctor's advice. You need to make sure that you do what is best for you from a health standpoint, okay? Don't let the insurance company bully you into going back to work before you're ready and before your doctor thinks you're ready. And certainly, certainly don't, uh, you know, be bullied by the, the employer uh, into coming into work and doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. Again, you should be following your doctor's advice. We'll take a first break and right into uh, Terry Corcoran here. Our insurance specialist spent decades on that side, so stick around for it. The phone lines are open, by the way. You've got a question possibly following this break for Terry or Savannah about your long-term disability. Call on behalf of a friend or a family member if they're a little bashful. 416-870-6400. It is a disability law show, and it'd be beautiful. Sunny Sunday afternoon on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is uh, 1216. Welcome back to DLS. That's the acronym now. Disability Law Show here on uh, Global News. 640-Toronto-416-870-6400. Have questions about your uh, disability coverage, maybe something to do with your insurance company. You don't understand why they've cut you off, why you've got a letter saying you're going to be cut off. How does an appeal work? All that business. Uh, bring it on. We'll get it answered here. You want to call for yourself on behalf of a family member who needs it. Uh, feel free to do that as well. 416-870-6400. Or if you're a little bashful, want to talk to Savannah. 
fan in the team when the show's not on, you can do that as well. That's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Got a welcome to the show. The uh, the guy who was on the inside for decades, Terry Corcoran. Terry, going to give you uh, about uh, twenty seconds here to give us a quick bio. And I know uh, Savannah wants to get right down to brass tacks. How are you, pal? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm good today. And I was in the industry for thirty five years. Oh. And I've uh, yeah, and I've much <laughs> every job from being an adjuster to an executive determining uh, company policy. I've sat on uh, industry committees, and I have been around the block. <laughs> but you don't that's look you look young, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, Terry, listen, thank you very much for joining. Really appreciate that. Uh, you were on the show yesterday with James as well. And uh, listen, your your experience and, and wisdom here is invaluable. I'm sure people really appreciate hearing from you. You know, oftentimes when they hear from, from myself, from James, you know, lawyers, there is some level of skepticism by some people at least uh, until we help them and we show them that what we're talking about is actually true and correct uh, and we get results for them. But listening to you, uh, as a non-lawyer, but nonetheless somebody who has, I would say, an encyclopedic knowledge of the insurance industry, particularly as it relates to LTD, is really invaluable. So let me just delve into it. And, you know, I want to talk to you about appeals. I know I've talked to them uh, ad nauseum. Uh, James has as well. We have a certain view of appeals. I want to hear your perspective when it comes to long-term disability and what happens when uh, a claimant receives a letter. Uh, an email, whatever it is, and it says either uh, we, we are denying your claim and here's the reason or sets of reasons, or you have been uh, chosen, you've been, you know, the lucky person who's been chosen to have your benefits terminated for whatever reason. And of course, at the end of that letter or email, it says, but you have the choice and the option of appealing. So having worked on the industry side, what is your opinion about these appeals in the long-term disability context? Well, if I was sitting at home, bored, in a self-isolation, filing an appeal might be an okay time waster. <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is that appeals occasionally will work, but there's a huge caveat i got to put on that. You would have to be appealing that LTD claim with an enormous amount of new significant information that is going to convince us to reverse the decision we made on your LTD claim. If you don't have anything like that, the appeal is is absolutely going to get you nowhere. Yeah, and, and this is what I hear time and time again. I, I mean, but I, I guess the question is, uh, you know, from from again your perspective, having having you know dealt with these kinds of appeals and, and overseen you know LTD departments, uh, the majority of claimants out there, you know, when they appeal, you know, you say occasionally it works. I I, I rarely see them work. I what I see work more often is when we get involved, and I'm seeing this more and more often now. I'm not actually sure why. Where insurance companies, once we get involved, start a legal claim, they back off and say, oh, we made a mistake, and then they reinstate the individual. That, I can say, is more of an occasional occurrence now, uh, as opposed to people contacting me at any point saying, oh, by the way, you said appeals don't work, for the most part, and here you go, I appealed and it worked. 
So, you know, again, I'm trying to give the best advice to people out there. I've never said appeals never work, but, you know, I'm also never going to say that you're never going to win the lotto, you know, the, 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 the lottery. Uh, I'm not saying don't go to Vegas and, and try to make good money. You know, some people end up doing that, but is that a good uh, way to proceed uh, in your view if you've been denied long-term disability and despite the fact that you are disabled and your doctors say you are disabled? If you're offering no new information to the insurance company, you're just picking them up on that offer to appeal, you really are wasting your time, Savannah. It's not going to work. You're knocking on the door of the same person who, very often the exact same person, the adjuster who made your decision, and you're saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, they're sure. It's not going to work. But what really does get our attention is when something is coming in on a legal uh, letterhead. Because coming in with... Uh, a lawyer in tow uh, generates an entire different set of procedures and a new set of uh, people inside the insurance company. And that's when your appeal is going to get some serious attention. Why is that, by the way? I mean, what's, you know, just for the public out there, why is it uh, that uh, that that gets your attention when there is a lawyer, and I assume, by the way, it depends on the lawyer or the law firm, right? I I I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you tell me. Uh, it's one thing to get a letter from a lawyer or a legal claim. Did you actually pay attention? Who you know, the name of the lawyer or the law firm on that legal claim? Oh my goodness, yes. There is in the industry we know who the good law firms are, who are the good lawyers within that law firm, and there's there are names that we take more seriously than others. This is a specialty kind of field. When you get into LTD and disability in general, and so the fellow that drafted your your will or and power of attorney may be a very fine fellow, but he may not have the experience to deal with a disability claim. And when we see he's the guy who's coming in to represent you, well, we're going to maybe not uh, be as paid <laughs> about things. Uh, we see, oh, it's that guy. Okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, but if we get if we get somebody who is known and known to us, known to the industry, it's going to be like, uh, okay, better pay attention to this one. Guys, let's take a uh, yeah, sorry, man. Let's take a let's take a short break. We got so much to get to here, but we got to pause for a sec. Terry Corcoran is going to stick with us. Lots of questions for you. Bring them on 416-870-6400 If you want to call after the show, uh, Savan more privately one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Disability Law Show. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
Yeah, we'll get to some of your emails very shortly. They're starting to starting to fly in. It's help at disabilityrights.ca. You want to make a phone call here to the station and talk to Terry or talk to uh, Savannah, you can do so. That is uh, 416-870-6400, 1-888-225-TALK. Would be toll-free, and you want to reach out afterwards to Savannah and the team. That is simple as well, disabilityrights.ca, help at disabilityrights.ca, and 1-855-821-5900. Savannah, I know you got a couple more questions for our pal Terry before we move on to our first email shoot thanks john terry i just wanted to follow up uh, on something you said you mentioned that when people appeal long-term disability denials you're knocking on the same door of the person who denied you in the first place for the most part what is the difference between that uh you know uh, appealing it to the same person first of all is it always the same person that's number one and number two what actually happens when a lawyer gets involved and instead of doing an appeal they start a legal claim what happens internally with that claim at the insurance company does it stay with the same adjuster who denied the person in the first place does it move what's the dynamic on the other side okay uh for the first part of your uh, uh question Practices vary from company to company. You could be knocking on the same door uh, of the person who made the denial or termination decision on your claim, or it could be their supervisor, their manager. Practices, really, they're all over the place. Uh, However, uh, when... When a something is coming in on legal letterhead, that is that that is triggering a response within the insurance company that okay, we can't just uh, slough this off uh, as as a, a regular appeal. Mm-hmm. Where we have a potential exposure here that they're going to start an action, and so that's when it starts to get to the higher echelons the. Uh, more experienced people within the insurance company to take a look at it. Okay, well, that's 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 interesting. That's very interesting, and I'm always curious when I go to a mediation uh, who it is that uh, is accompanying the defense lawyer. Uh, or, you know, what is the seniority level of the adjuster that's coming? And I had one time, one time when there was a very egregious claim. Uh, and that claim was in the news quite extensively at that time. Uh, it wasn't an LTD case, but it was an insurance case. And the director of risk management for the insurance company showed up. And I knew at that point that that person brought with them a blank check. Yep. So it's interesting to me. And I'm curious, actually, on your end, uh, back then when, when you, you were handling all these LTDs and supervising, uh, um, you know, am I correct that the more senior the adjuster is that attends mediation, the, the bigger the exposure the insurance company uh, assesses? Right. They've anticipated trouble, and the person that is going to be there is uh, probably going into the room with a budget that they've uh, uh, been authorized to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that that person, and, and of course, they're not going to tell you what that budget is, whether it's $60,000 or $600,000, but the person that is in that room at that point in the process is fairly senior in the insurance company and is authorized to make deals. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let me, let me shift uh, to a different question just before we go to an email. 
And I want to talk to you about something that I started the show with, which is this return to work, gradual return to work. Many, many people contact me and James and the rest of our team, uh, I would say almost daily, with questions about what do I do uh, if I am not ready to go back to work, or perhaps I am ready, but my doctor says I need all these modifications, uh, and you know the insurance company is working hand-in-hand uh, hand with the employer oftentimes to try and get together some kind of a return-to-work program, but the individual says to me, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go back to work. My doctor doesn't think I'm ready. I'm not talking about the cases where there is an accommodation issue. I'm talking about specific cases where the person says, I am being forced. They always use the word forced. I like to use the word pressured because nobody's coming to your house and putting a gun to your head, but that's how individuals feel, like they're being forced to return to work before they are ready. And, and I guess my, my question to you is, I always tell people, listen to what your doctors are saying. James says the same thing. From your perspective, first of all, why is it that insurance companies will do that? Why are they pressuring people to go back to work before they are uh, ready? And number two, what happens if you say, no, I'm going to listen to my doctor and I'm not going to go to work before I am ready and before my doctor thinks he's ready? How does that affect the relationship with the insurance company? Well, I, the insurance company, the claims area has one objective, and that is to get you off the books one way or the other. And so they're going to, um, if they see an opportunity to get you back to work, maybe there's been uh, a hint from something your uh, uh, your doctor said in a letter to the insurance company that uh, indicates maybe this person's uh, ready to return to work. They're going to seize upon that and, and try to make it happen any way they can. They're going to uh, uh, deal with uh, your employer, see what can be worked out. And if there's something feasible, there's going to be an expectation that, and using a legal term, mitigate your loss and at least try to go back to work. But if your doctor is saying, no, that's not what I'm saying, this guy is not ready to go back to work, I agree with you 100% so you should absolutely follow your doctor's orders. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Terry. We'll take a, a short break, fellas. Get right back to it. Uh, Danny, I see your email. You're coming up after a short break. You want to send one along. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And to reach out by phone, you still got lots of time. 416-870-6400. 1-888-225-TALK. Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You want to reach out? It is help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca is the website. Catch past radio shows, links to our TV show as well. And for the next while, covidrights.ca. Some good information there as well. Anytime you want to check it out, covidrights.ca. The email here, pardon me, the phone number here, 416-872-6400. You have questions about LTD, whether it's for yourself or a friend, colleague, family member, bring it on. Love to talk to you. Terry's uh, still hanging in as well. I want to get to Danny's email. Danny says, guys, have a... Uh, had a tough time dealing with my disability adjuster. 
By way of background, I've been suffering from depression for many years after being diagnosed with HIV. I'm 48 and I was working until 2017 in the IT sector, making very good money. My partner died in 2017 and I entered a very dark period in my life. I went on short-term disability and subsequently I got on to long-term. I'm now approaching my two-year mark and I'm still not feeling ready to return to work as my psychologist of three years completely agrees that it's premature. But my disability adjuster is adamant that I've had enough time to get over my partner's passing and I should be able to return to work. He set a return to work date of June 1st deadline and said that if I don't comply with this attempt to return to work, then my benefits would end. I'm afraid of refusing, but I don't think I am ready. And my psychologist says that I am definitely not ready. What do you guys suggest I do? Well, Danny, this is definitely, uh, you know, of concern. And we just talked with Terry about this idea of returning back to work when you are not ready and the insurance company is pressuring you to go back. So I'll give you my thoughts, and then I'd like to hear what Terry thinks about this. So number one, uh, I, I have no idea who this adjuster is, Danny. I don't know which insurance company it is, but I, I would be shocked if it's anyone that Terry has trained in the past. <laughs> Uh, and and I, I, th I think that's the case because, you know, Terry, if, if you know the guy, is just a moral person. And unfortunately, I've come across many adjusters that, in my view, are simply not moral. They're not acting not only in the best interest of the claimant, but also of the insurance company at the end of the day, because this is going to invite a legal claim from a lawyer like myself, like James, or, or another lawyer out there. Now, Danny, here's the thing. If you're not ready to go back, which it sounds obviously that you're not, your psychologist says you're not, you should not be going back to work. It's really that simple. Now, the fact that your adjuster says you have until June 1st, uh, that's the deadline. You have to go back by then or else we cut you off. To me, given the fact that the psychologist has already said that you cannot go back to work within this timeline, to me, that is already a breach of the insurance company's obligation uh, uh, to you under the policy. What I would do in this case, Danny, is I would, uh, and I'm assuming you've done this, but if you haven't, you should do this, get a report or a letter from your psychologist that just explicitly explains why it is you're unable to go back to work at this point in time. Send that off to the adjuster uh, via email with an urgent mark and of course have a, uh, you know, uh, um, acknowledgement of receipt, uh, uh, you know, put there so, so that you know that the adjuster got that. And uh, I, I, I would, would tell the adjuster, I want confirmation that my benefits will continue beyond June 1st, despite the fact that I'm unable to go back to work, as per what my psychologist is, is recommending here, and given the fact that I cannot go back to work, and I know that I cannot go back to work. And if the adjuster uh, writes back uh, or calls you and says, no, despite all that, we're going to cut you off on June 1st, do not wait until June 1st to test whether or not this will happen because it will happen. It's in their system. If despite that email, you get a response that says, we're gonna cut you off, at that point, you can take action. And John, I wanna make sure people understand, oftentimes they think they can't contact us or shouldn't contact us or we cannot help until in fact they are cut off and that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. I've had cases where somebody was, you know, people were told that they're gonna be cut off unjustly, unfairly, illegally months and months and months into the future we got involved and were able to resolve those claims before the cutoff date so that there was no period of time whatsoever where the person wasn't getting any money and that's crucial because as soon as Danny's benefits are cut off no money's coming in 
I mean, that's the worst case scenario here. So, so you know, that's my view here. I see this almost as a black and white situation. I'd like to hear what Terry has to say. I, I want to also touch on the whole two-year mark thing at some point later, although, Terry, you may want to deal with that as well. But I'm curious as to your thoughts here as to how the adjuster is dealing with this and, and, and what recommendations you would have for Danny. Well, first off, I was outraged that the adjuster assumed that he'd had enough time to get over his partner's passing. With grief, there is no there is no right or wrong in terms of the length of time it takes you to get over a loss, and so that that really got my hackles up. The problem, as I as I see it, Savannah, is that he's he's on a clock here that uh, uh, may not. There's a dead. There's a deadline coming up that I don't think he's going to be able to make. It would be in an ideal world. It would be great if he could get a letter crafted from a psychologist in support of the fact that uh, June first just isn't going to cut it in terms of this uh, fellow being able to do anything uh, uh, work-wise. Uh, th- that would be great. But I, I don't think that there's going to be enough time for that. Uh, and so, as I was saying earlier, nothing gets our attention better than something on legal letterhead. And I would be suggesting to Danny, maybe he wants to get uh, do the things you were saying, but perhaps it's done on his behalf on legal letterhead. Yeah, and I would have no issue doing that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I try to be careful of is, you know, telling people, contact me for absolutely everything. You know, I, I've had situations where I've told people, look, here's the advice, here's what you need to do. Uh, and, you know, I, I, the thing is this, I consider myself and, and James and the rest of the team, we are, in my mind, the nuclear option. Okay, uh, I have no problem going there and attacking the insurance company on your behalf. But if I can help you defuse the situation without us, needing to get involved, I will do that. I know it's counterintuitive, makes no sense. You know, you would think that the lawyer will tell you, just come to me, come to me, you know, sign up, sign up. I, listen, I, I would love to help more people out there, and I think I am, but I want to make sure I do it in a measured way. And we do this on employment matters as well, by the way. People contact us, uh, you know, and, and oftentimes we'll give them advice on how to deal with their employers as opposed to just say, listen, just sign up here and, and you know, let us immediately get into the picture. At the end of the day, the analysis we go through at the firm is what is the best way for us to help you? And sometimes, as you, you say it, uh, Terry, we will get involved and we'll get involved immediately. And certainly, if Danny here wants me to get involved, by all means, you know, I, I can today or tomorrow even contact the adjuster on his behalf. That's not a problem. Uh, I do want to talk about, John, I'm not sure if we have to take a break or not, but I want to talk yep. about that two-year marks uh, uh, issue here. And I want to talk to Terry about this idea that people are cut off generally in many instances just around that two-year mark when they're on long-term disability. We'll do that after the break for sure. You want to call through 416-870-6400-1888-225. Talk to get on the show. If not, 1-855-821-5900. After the show to speak to Savannah, we'll continue. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
It is 12.48. Still some time to go here. You want to slide in a phone call for uh, for Savannah or Terry, 416-870-6400-1-888-225. Talk that is toll free. Back to that two-year limitations event. Yeah, John, we were talking about Danny Zemo here, and he mm-hmm. was coming up to the two-year mark, and he's being pressured to go back to work. And what I want to talk to Terry about is about this whole two-year mark thing on LTD, that you know, that magic timeline. And we've spoken about this before, but what I want to know from you, Terry, is you know, for a person to be on long-term disability, generally speaking, for the first two years, the test is, can you do your own occupation? Why is it that insurance companies starts uh, start gearing up to to cut off individuals at that two-year mark and uh you know do you in your experience do do you think that sometimes insurance companies are a bit too uh, trigger happy to do that when the reality is that the individual really can't do any occupation for which they're suited for you know i just want to get your perspective obviously my perspective is that they are trigger happy but i want to hear someone who's been in the industry for 35 years on your end what do you what do you think about that that two-year mark oh john do we have uh i think we, we i on? think we still got terry yeah uh, can you hear me yeah, uh, yeah. now we can okay hey, go ahead go uh, during the short-term disability period we're preparing for the ltd claim when you get to the uh, beginning of the LTD claim, we're working on the change of uh, definition at that point. We are looking way down the road, and we're assessing every move you make, every new piece of medical information, and it's all on uh, anticipation of can we limit the liability on this LTD claim to two years. So I want to make that clear. When you say limit liability, you mean can we figure out, I mean, just to use regular language, can we figure out, we, the insurance company, how to stop paying this person after two years? Yeah. Uh, how do we get rid of this one? How do uh, we get rid of this one? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. No, no, no. I, I, this is, I, I want you to be blunt. What kind of tools do you use? What, what, what does the insurance company employ? And again, I, I don't want to paint every claim with the same you know, paintbrush. I don't want to say that at any point, at every point, insurance companies are always acting unfairly. That's not true. But you're saying that from the beginning when you start LTD, the insurance company is looking down the road, that two-year mark, that change of definition. What kind of things should people be watchful for uh, and, and you know, their spidey sense should, should start acting up you know, uh, to, to, to protect themselves uh, in the event that the insurance company cuts them off? What kind of things should they be looking out for? Some of the things you actually contractually can't protect yourself from. For example, if we ask you to go to an independent medical assessment, contractually you're obligated to do that. We also, uh, if you uh, wanted to uh, look at potential flags, Certainly, if we're asking you to go to a functional abilities assessment to see where your limitations lie, that would be an indication that we're trying to figure out what other jobs you could do so that we can get rid of you at the two-year point. Um, a lot of correspondence going out to your physician is, is also uh, a bit of a red flag. Sometimes we're just trying to clarify the medical picture, the diagnosis, but very often we're looking for the holes in your claim that are going to uh, uh, be able to be leveraged to our benefit when we get to the two-year point. 
So how do you square that with the obligation to have the insured's interests uh, first and foremost? You know, I, I mean, the whole point is that you're, you're providing a safety net for the person. And yet, you, and yet what you're telling me, Terry, is that insurance companies from the outset try and figure out how to cut the person off and limit how much money they have to pay the person. Yeah, the, the days, once upon a time, <laughs> used to, it used to be that you looked at the claimant on the LTD claim as a customer, and you treated them like a customer. That is all in the past now. You get treated like you are the enemy. Huh. Plain and simple. Which is really, really unfortunate. Obviously, I mean, this is it should not be the case. And and you know, frankly, that's 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 given us more uh, um, you know ammunition, I would say, for lawyers like myself. Because when we open up a claims file, uh, you know, we we oftentimes see these kinds of actions, which I guess many many years ago, uh, Terry, we would not have seen. We would not have seen adjusters act the way they act now in, in many instances, and that's that's really unfortunate. Absolutely, and it would not surprise me at all that when you do get a file, uh, you're looking at it from the standpoint of where can you find the holes to create punitive damages, and I'll let you explain what that is to the uh, audience. Right. Well, punitive damages are damages or, or, or a claim to punish the insurance company. You're asking you know, the legal system to award you money, not just what you're entitled to under the contract uh, with the insurance company, but extra contractual damages, extra money to punish the insurance company. It's much more prevalent in the United States, but you can still get that here uh, in Canada, especially in egregious situations, which unfortunately we do see from time to time. We'll take a short break, fellas. Get right back to it. Last uh, remaining moments of the show, Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Last few minutes of the show here. I want to slide over to our phone call as we hung on there. Judy, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Sure, go ahead. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask a question about uh, the long-term disability. Like, when the two years are done, uh, could you apply for ODSP, the Ontario Disability Support Plan? Sorry, Judy, you're saying when the two years are done? Yeah, like you're talking about, like everyone's calling in about the, when their two years of their um, long-term disability comes to an end, where they're going to get um, pulled off. Could you not apply for ODSP if you need to be on disability more than that? Well, you can apply for ODSP, you can apply for CPP disability, but you know the, the point that I was trying to make, and I think Terry was talking about as well, is in many instances, people actually should be on, on LTD for longer than two years. Two years is not the max amount. Uh, I mean, occasionally, in rare circumstances, people, when they purchase their own policies, they'll purchase only a two-year policy. You have to be careful with those kinds of policies. But what I'm saying is that in many instances, uh, you know, when, when there is a change of definition date, which means that to, to qualify beyond two years for LTD, you have to show that you can't do any occupation for which you're suited for. Uh, you know, at that point, your LTD should continue. Now, if you get CPP disability, if you get workers' compensation, if you get those kinds of government programs, ODSP, whatever, the insurance company is going to get a credit for those. 
So, so that's ju that's the one thing that you need to understand, or anybody there needs to understand. Uh, but it, it's a good question. You're right. I mean, people are obviously looking to what other government programs out there. If if I don't qualify beyond the two year mark, but the point is, most people should qualify beyond the two year mark if they cannot do any occupation for which they're suited for. They should not be cut off by the insurance company, and that's usually when we step in to help them. But when you're talking about the LTD. Are you talking about like if you're working in a company and this is a private insurance that you you've paid into, you contribute to? Is that what that's, you're talking about? That's one instance. That's one instance okay. where where you write, but but there's also many instances. In fact, the majority of them where, as part of your benefits package, uh, either you or your employer or or you know both of you together are paying for LTD and and you have that through work. So, so in other words, right. it's your employer that has that contract with the insurance company. Uh, so in, it's in both contexts. You're absolutely right. It could be private, but it, could, uh, it can also be through work. Mm -hmm. But what if you're working for a company, right, and you're on disability? Because this happened to my son. where When he went on to um, long-term disability, after two years, he was let go from the company. Ah, well, that's, that's an excellent question. And, and I can tell you right now, that's illegal. That is the company could not have done that. That's that's a violation of his human rights, and and that's we can do a whole show just on that, Judy. I'm not sure when that happened, but we could potentially help him with that situation. Uh, the company well, should not have done that. It happened a long time ago, and that's okay. why I'm saying about the ODSP because yeah. when he was let go from the company, I just applied for him for ODSP, and he was accepted. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying, that if you're on a long-term disability with a company, after those two years, you become a liability with the company, and they'll just fire you. Which is what they're not allowed to do. So I, I you know, I'm sorry it happened to your son. And for anyone out there in that situation, please, please contact us. Remember, we have employment lawyers and disability lawyers. You're not signing anything by calling us. You're simply getting information. This information is free, it's accurate information, and it will protect you because information is power. And we are done for another day. Thank you, Terry Corcoran. Thank you, Savan. Awesome. As always, want to reach out now that we are done. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email, the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. And you can go to covidrights.ca as well. See you next time. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.